Hello, and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. My name is Nick, and I'm the Communications Director here at Crossroads. What do you do when it feels like God let you down? Maybe you were praying for a miracle, doing all you knew to do, asking in desperation, and it seemed like God didn't come through. These are difficult moments that cause confusion and pain. This week, we are learning what to do when we're mad at God. So let's jump right into it as Pastor Craig brings us a message titled, Mad at God. Today is uh, day two of Growth Track, and uh, the good news is last week, we had such an incredible response to Growth Track that I don't know if you can fit in the room today if you choose to go. But I am going to say, go ahead and try. Uh, but if you can't fit in there because we're at capacity, how many are happy about that? I know I am. Uh, that's amazing. And so if, uh, if you can't fit in today, the good news is it's coming back around in March. So make sure uh, in March that you go ahead and get into Growth Track. Growth Track will change your life. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful experience. Right now, here's what I want you to do is put your hands together, maybe shout out a little bit. Let's welcome all those who are watching online, not just watching, yeah, but you're participating with us. Just tell us in the chat, I'm here today. Good morning or, or whatever uh, you want to put in there. Well, maybe not whatever you want to put in there, but put something good in there, all right? And Because uh, this is the day the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. We're so glad. Last week, I think more people shared last week's message than ever in the history of this church. Could you put your hands together again? And, and so the power of that is when you share it, then other people also share it. And uh, many people, the, the impact just ripples uh, across the internet. And so I just want to thank you so much because of the huge response last week uh, to last weekend's message, and we are in a series we're calling F-Bomb, all right? And for three weeks, we're dropping some bombs, but uh, it, it's a forgiveness bomb, okay? Forgiveness, how many know that's the real F-word? Uh, we learned that last week, and the power of forgiving other people. Today, we're going to take a look at a little bit different uh, reflection on that. I don't know about you, but I love it when there are miracle stories. You know, I just love me some miracle stories. You know, you go to life group and somebody says, oh man, we just started tithing this year. At the first of the year, we decided we're, we're going to tithe. And already I got a promotion I'm going to make 10,000 plus more dollars this year. And, and you know, it, it's just amazing what God has done. But then you may be sitting there and you're like, I've been tithing for more than a couple months. Hello? And that didn't happen to me. That's, I, I lost my job during this COVID. 
I've had difficult, I've had challenges during these last several weeks. Or maybe somebody else shares and they say, oh, you know, I, I got rid, I finally said goodbye to my bad boyfriend. And thank you, Jesus, he brought me the hunkmeister, you know, a Christian man. I, he, he's, he came into my life this week and, and, and was quoting the entirety of 1 Corinthians 13. And you're sitting there and you're like, well, I broke up with my bad boyfriend back in 2015 and the only dates I've had since then have been with Ben and Jerry. How many know it, it's challenging when God doesn't do it the way you want him to do it? You know, have you ever felt like, let, let's just go ahead and be honest today. Have you ever felt like God let you down? Have you ever been disappointed in God? Have you ever even maybe been mad at God? Where you want to trust you know, you really do. You want to trust he's alive, he's well, he's working in the world today. It is, you know, but God, why don't you do something? Why don't you make something happen? And maybe I'm talking to somebody that you've been mad at God for a while. You know, God did something, and it may have been years ago, you felt like, and, and here's the thing that we do when things don't work out like we'd like, is we blame God. We blame him. You know, and, and here's the thing. You know, we're, we're going to talk about forgiving God in a sense today, but theologically, let me just help you because if you think I don't know my theology, let me, let me help you. I understand that God cannot sin. Okay, he, he never makes a mistake, and so we can't really forgive somebody who never messes up. But to us, it feels that way. To us, from this perspective, like Solomon said, under the sun, it feels like God's not, not doing it the way he ought to do it. Corey Ten Boom, who was a survivor of the Holocaust, incredible Christian woman, uh, she said this, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. Isn't that good? See, it gets pitch black and I'll be, you don't jump off the train. You, you just trust that, well, I don't know how long this is going to be, how long the darkness is going to last. I'm just going to trust that the engineer knows what he's doing. He's been through this before, and he'll get me to the other side. But how many of you know, you know, there's a scripture that talks about weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. How many know it's a little easier to weep with the weepers? Right, you know, somebody says, oh, I'm just having it tough, and, it's, and then I had this happen, and this, and this happened, and you're like, oh, oh, yes, that's so awful, it's so terrible, oh, my. But when somebody says, poor God, 
He's just been so good to me lately. I'm just like, I don't know what else he's going to do for me. And you're like, oh. Because you look at them and they've got the baby you've been hoping for for years. Hello? I mean, they, they're engaged and, and you've had a broken engagement. You know, your loved one is still sick. They're not healed. And as a matter of fact, they not only didn't get better, but you actually had their funeral recently. See, it's a lot easier, right, to, to weep with the weepers. You know, this reminds me, this message today, of the movie Bruce Almighty. Anybody remember that movie? Back in the early 2000s. And, uh, you know, it's by, played by Jim Carrey was the main character. He was Bruce in the story. And, and he had lost his job. And he had lost his girlfriend. And he was just losing everything, it seemed like. And here's what he said in that movie. He says, God is a mean kid sitting on an anthill with a magnifying glass, and I'm the ant. He could fix my life in five minutes if he wanted to, but he'd rather tear off my feelers and watch me squirm. The gloves are off, God. Come on, let me see a little wrath. Smite me, oh mighty smiter. I love that line in that movie. You're the one who should be fired. You're the only one around here that's not doing his job. That's you. Answer me. And of course, Morgan Freeman did an excellent job of playing God in that movie and showing up to Jim Carrey and saying, oh, you want to be me? You, you want to be responsible for answering people's prayers? Okay. And Jim's like, really? Oh, yeah. Here, here. Power. All authority. I'm, I'm going to give it to you. And, and you just do it. You just handle it. And, of course, at the end of the movie, Jim's, Jim Carrey's perspective changes as a result of understanding things a little better. Today, I want us to look at a story in the Bible where a person didn't understand why God is not changing my situation. Why God is blessing people around me, but the blessings seem to be doing just that. They're going around me instead of to me. First Samuel chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, So Penina would taunt Hannah, and here's, Hannah is a, is a woman who's married to Elkanah, and um, they, they've been married for some time, and she's barren, just can't have kids, and, and, and he has these two wives, and Penina is the wife that's probably the second wife here, and, and so she comes to Hannah, and, and she's, uh, and by the way, Elkanah means God has created and, and so it's like, well, God has created, he hasn't created the son. Because I, I, that's what I would like for him to do. And Hannah just continually is not bearing children, continually 
unable to conceive, and that's probably why Elkanah has a second wife, because in that day, that, that was not acceptable, to not be able to pass on your name, to not be able to pass on uh, to your children. And so often in that ancient culture, they would take a second wife, and before somebody says, wow, awesome, you know, if you say that, you're not married. <laughs> okay, because I know on The Bachelor and all, they, they can kiss one and then go kiss another and then go kiss another, make out with somebody, and everybody seems to be okay with that and whatever. I'm ta talking about the sister wives. I, I'm talking about when, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's this rivalry and Hannah feels like a failure, she feels useless, she feels ashamed, and in the midst of this, every year, Elkanah would take them up to a place uh, where they would worship called Shiloh, and they would sacrifice, and Penina, we'll, we'll see it here, she would, she would just throw shade on Hannah every opportunity that she got. Here's what she says. It says, she made fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. See, blaming God. This is God's fault. Year after year, it was the same. Anybody ever feel that way? Year after year, it's the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle, and each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Here's Hannah, and it seems like the way the scripture portrays her, that she's just this sweet little godly girl. You know, the, the kind you want to take home to mama. And and Penina is the girl your mama warned you about. I mean, she's cruel and evil. She's like Cruella, you know? And you look at this, and if you're Hannah, you're like, why would God even bless Penina? I mean, she's a taunter. She, she's, she's hostile. She's evil. You know, why would God bless her? God could give me a child, but no. Nope, that's not what he does. I'm faithful. You ever felt this way? I'm faithful. Listen, I go to church. They don't. They got a new car. They're moving out of the neighborhood to a better neighborhood. We can barely make our current mortgage. And so why is it that God is not blessing me? I don't understand. I'm trying to honor. I'm a tither. Aren't tithers? We don't get the COVID, right? We don't, we don't get sickness. We don't, everything goes around. We're like bulletproof. We're like Superman. I don't understand it. But yet God is so slow. So silent at times. And I'm so still suffering. Am I connecting with anybody today? 
And, and year after year, maybe you've prayed for salvation for a family member. And if anything, it seems they get further from God. Or you prayed for healing and your condition just doesn't ever get any better. Maybe you prayed for and begged God for the depression cloud over your life to leave, and yet it's a battle every day just to get out of bed. And you wonder, why doesn't this trial go away? Why, why doesn't, you know, why, why are we still financially struggling at this point? Why do I feel alone? Where are you, God? You know, you feel a little like Jim Carrey. You feel like, you know, hey, where are you? Why aren't you seeing all of this? Do you even care? And, and we pray and we believe and we wait, and wait, and wait. Anybody else hate waiting? <laughs> Listen, I go in the grocery store. I'm all right. As soon as I walk in, I'm analyzing the lines, the lanes. I, I haven't even bought anything yet. I'm already looking. Mm, let me see here. I think I'll probably go to the other end of the building, but we'll see. And if one, I count cans in people's carts, you know, that's how sick I am, okay? I'm like, you know, let me see. I think they got a few more cans in their cart. Oh, they've got clothes. You know how that goes, you know? I mean, tags are off, and they got to call the department and figure it out and whatever. I hate waiting. And, and here's Hannah waiting, 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 waiting. And she's got this husband. He's a godly man. He is a godly man. He leads his family to church. Uh, those are all great things. But he's a man. He's a dude. And because he's a dude, he is subject to stupidity, right? <laughs> Asking stupid questions, like coming home and saying, what do you do all day? Oh, yeah. Did you mean to do your hair like that? Are you PMSing? I mean, no, we're on thin ice today, right? Look, look at this. I'll show it to you in verse 8. Here, here's what he says. Elkanah would ask, why are you crying, Hannah? Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? And Hannah is like, do you want to rephrase that question? You don't want me to answer that. Hannah is trying to love God, and yet the one thing she wants more than anything in life, it seems like God is holding it back. And her rival is making her miserable, 
rubbing it in her face. Everywhere she turns, it seems like it's just right there in her face. And then she has a husband who has the gift of putting his foot in his mouth. So what do you do when you feel mad at God? Let's take a look because we're gonna see this in the story. Maybe you wanna write some things down. The first thing you do is you vent to God. Go ahead. He can handle it. He has big shoulders. Look at what it says in verse nine. Once after sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. And Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. And watch verse 10. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. I mean, she comes in and dumps it. She pours her heart out to God. She cries bitterly. And I want you to know today that God can handle your hurt. God understands your pain. Remember, he watched his son, his own son, die on the cross. And, and so your questions don't bother him. As a matter of fact, God would rather have you yell at him than walk away from him. You talk about being real with God. It's not just Hannah. I want you to know that Job, David, a man after God's own heart, and the great leader Moses, all in the Old Testament poured out toward God. Even Jesus, let me show it to you in Job chapter 7, verse 16. Here's what Job says. I hate my life. Maybe you can relate to Job. I hate my life. I don't even want to go on living. Oh, leave me alone, he says to God, for my few remaining days. What are people that you should make so much of us that you should think of us so often? For you examine us every morning and test us. That's what you're doing right now, God. Testing me every moment. Why don't you leave me alone? At least long enough for me to swallow. If I have sinned, what have I done to you? Oh, watcher of humanity. That sounds like, oh, mighty smiter. <laughs> you know? Why make me your target? Am I a burden to you? Why not just forgive my sin and take away my guilt? There's a thought, God. For soon, if you don't, I'm going to lie down in the dust and die. When you look for me, I will be gone. Wow. That's pretty intense, Job. How about David? Psalm 13. How long will you forget me, Lord? Forever? How long will you look the other way when I'm in need? Ever felt that way? How long must I be hiding daily anguish in my heart? I'm trying to act right to other people. I come to church and act like I got my stuff together. But really, I'm irritated at you. How long shall my enemy have the upper hand? Look at Penina, God. Look at her making fun of me. 
And look at Numbers 11, 11, and let's watch Moses. Moses said to the Lord, why pick on me? Have you ever felt that way? Like God's picking on you? Why pick on me to give me the burden of a people like this? And oh, don't, this is not just Old Testament. Over in the New Testament, look at Jesus. In Matthew 27, verse 46, Jesus shouted when he couldn't hardly get the air to even breathe on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think God can handle honesty. I think he enjoys our honesty, quite honestly. And in verse 11, here's what it says, that, that Hannah tells God, hey, I'll tell you what, if you just give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And as she's praying, I mean, she's just weeping, she's emotional, she's the Bible says she's just a mess. And she's praying, and the priest in the temple, Eli, he saw her praying, and her lips are moving, but there's nothing coming out. You ever been that way? You know, this reminds me of Romans chapter 8, where it talks about how sometimes you don't even know the words to, to pray, but the Holy Spirit does. And it's like groanings that come out. And, and words that you don't know and can't express and the Holy Spirit prays through you. And I, I don't know exactly what's going on here. I don't want to read too much into the text, but, but nothing's coming out, really, that he could hear. And so now he switches from prayer to she's drunk. And he says, you should get rid of your bottle of wine, lady, especially before you go to church. I mean, who does that? And she says, oh, oh, you've misinterpreted. I'm not drunk. I am so disenchanted. I am so hurting. I am so much in pain. I want a child so bad, and I'm crying out to God for a baby. And he says, may the Lord give a child to you. And she leaves the temple, and there's no sign of any change. So here's the second thing to write down. Is you don't just vent to God, but you hold on to faith. You hold on to faith, and you don't let go. She prayed to the Lord. You know, and how many know a waiting season is not a wasted season? See, she may be waiting. I, I heard about an ad that was on TV, and, um, and the ad went this way. There was a woman in the car, and she was on her cell phone, and, and she's talking, and a man comes up, opens the car door, and proceeds to physically pull her out of the car. And she doesn't understand. You can tell she doesn't understand what's going on. And he proceeds to drag her out into the parking lot and drag her away from the car. And as he's doing that and pulling her like this, and you're just like, what is going on? The camera pans out, and you see that the back end of her car is on fire. And the ad says, sometimes you need the bigger picture. 
See, what looked like an assault, it looked like, who is this guy? I mean, that's terrible. Why isn't somebody helping? Why isn't somebody? Oh, no, no. He is helping. He is assisting. See, there's some times in your life that you don't realize what God's doing until the camera pulls away, and then you see, oh, my gosh, he saved me. He rescued me. He helped me. So you got to hold on through the tunnel. Hold on through the tunnel. Maybe type that in the chat today. As you're watching, just say, hold on, hold on. You can just keep holding on to faith. And in verse 19, it says that the entire family got up the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Here's the third thing to write down. Not only vent to God, not only hold on to faith, but here's what else you need to do when you feel tempted to get mad at God, is you worship again anyway. You just worship again anyway. You go ahead and worship God. Job, that we just read about earlier, who had all kinds of stuff happen in his life. All hell broke loose in Job's life. And and Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? You know, just forget God. What's he done for you lately? And he says, will we only praise him in the good times? Let me ask you, are you the kind of Christian that only praises God in the good times? Is that what kind you are? Are you the kind that it makes no difference what's going on? Rain, snow, sleet, ice, hotter than fire, high humidity, makes no difference. I'm working outside, I'm doing it. But thank God I've got a job. Thank God I'm able to work. Thank you, Lord, that you got me up this morning, that you put a smile on my face. See, you worship God anyway. Look at this in verse 19. So they returned home to Ramah, and when Elkanah, now they come back from worship, and when Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. He didn't forget about her. It may have looked like he forgot, but God has a great memory, okay? And he remembered her plea. And watch this, it's so huge, so huge, so huge. Are you watching this in verse 20? Are you watching this online? In verse 20, look at this. In due time, not her time. Doesn't say that. Not her time, hello? It says in due time. Who indicates the due time? God does. She gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. I asked a long time, as a matter of fact. I mean, we're talking years here. We're talking a long, long time, and I've been through a lot, but God answered prayer. I want you to know again today that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Just because it doesn't happen today doesn't mean it's not going to happen someday. 
It can happen in your life. Job chapter one, verse 20 says that this, Job got up. He's, he's got all these terrible things happening. And he tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell down to the ground. How? Look at this. In worship. Is that what you do when you lose your job? Do you worship? Or do you complain? Mm, it's, it's quiet wherever you are right now, right? I mean, this is the attitude of somebody who bounces back, if you keep reading the story. And this is what he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. I didn't have any money in my hand when I was born. How about you? And when I get buried, I'm not taking any money with me either. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He, I don't care if I've got a job or don't have a job. I don't care if I've got money or don't have money. I don't care if I've got more bills than I've got money. I don't care if I just lost my job yesterday. I don't care. I'm going to worship him today right here in the tunnel. In the middle of the tunnel, I will worship him. And look at this, Job's not done yet. Job 19.25, he says, I know my Redeemer lives. Do you know that today? The enemy says, oh, God's dead. See, if God was alive, he'd fix your situation. If there was a God, wouldn't he give you a baby, Hannah? What, don't you say God is good? Well, what kind of good God let your enemy have a baby, and you're still not. What kind of God does that? And here's what Job says as he looks around, and it seems like he's the one getting picked on. It seems like everything that can go wrong is going wrong with him. And he says, but I know this. I know God's still alive. My Redeemer lives. And that, watch this, in the end, he will stand on the earth. See, I, I don't know what all's gonna happen. I don't know who's gonna get elected and who's not gonna get elected. I don't know if the stock market's gonna go up or it's gonna go down. I don't know if this COVID thing's gonna be over soon or it's gonna last a long, long time. I don't know if my restaurant's gonna hang in there. I don't know if I'm gonna stay employed. I don't know what's gonna happen. It's an uncertain future, but I do know my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. He will stand on the earth. One more passage I've got to read this. I love this passage in Habakkuk. And um, here's what it says in chapter three. And I hope, this is my prayer for everyone in this building today and all you watching online, that you would have this kind of faith, that you'd have a real faith, okay? Not just a faith when everything's going good, Oh, God's good, you know. But I'm talking about a faith when everything's going wrong. I'm talking about a faith when, like Job, it gets worse every day. You're afraid to get up in the morning because somebody's going to give you a bad report. 
And, and over and over and over again, and look at what Habakkuk says. Even though the fig trees are all destroyed, and there is neither blossom left nor fruit, though the olive crops all fail, and the fields lie barren, even if the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Watch verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be happy. How can you be happy when all the cattle are dead? When the fields are empty? When the enemy has come in and slaughtered everything? I'm going to be happy in this, in the God of my salvation because I want you to know it makes no difference what goes on around me what's going on inside of me is he's written my name down in a place that's settled in heaven and one day even if I die and I'm sure I will if I live long enough anybody with me on that you know uh, no matter how much bird seed I eat and, and organic whatever I eat uh, it's going to happen the Lord is my strength and he will give me the speed of a deer and bring me safely over the mountains. See, here's what happens. We think everything's got to be good to worship. That things have to change for us to worship. But I love the song that was out a few years ago by Casting Crowns. It says, I will praise you in this storm. Say, I want to have a faith that I will praise you in this storm. I'm not going to wait till the sun comes back out. I'm not going to, I'm praying for the sun. I'm praying for the clouds to part. I'm praying for the sun to shine again and, and for me to have a rebound. I'm believing for my rebound. Come on, somebody. I'm believing for the bounce back. All those things that everybody loves to put on bumper stickers, you know? But I don't just have a bumper sticker faith. I have a faith in a God that's bigger than a bumper sticker. He has saved my soul, redeemed me from the pit of hell. I will yet praise him. See, you know, we've been wearing these masks for a while. How many are tired of wearing a mask, you know? I was thinking about it this week and getting ready to preach this message. And I thought, I'm going to wear my mask a little different than what I normally do. Because this is what it looks like in the tunnel. See, this is what Corey Ten Boom was talking about. When you're in the tunnel, what do you do when you go in the tunnel? You're on the train. You don't tear up your ticket and jump off. You trust that the engineer knows what he's doing. And how many, you've been in some short tunnels and you've been in some long tunnels that you think, am I ever getting out of this tunnel? Am I ever gonna get to the other side? Is the sun ever going to shine again? But here's what I've decided. Even if the cattle are all dead, even if there are no crops left in the field, 
even if he doesn't heal me, even if that in-law dies, even if that person loses their job, even if the people around me suffer, even if I suffer, even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to believe that he is with me, his rod and his staff are with me, and I'm going to choose... I'm going to choose that even when I cannot see, is he ever going to do anything? Is he ever going to answer my prayer? He's answering everybody else's. If he's never going to answer my prayer, I've decided I still in this seat on this train am able to raise my hands, to raise my voice, and to praise the God who is, who was, and who is to come, who will one day stand on the earth, and I'm saved and redeemed by his power. My God, give him praise right now if that's you. What are you waiting for to praise him? What more does he have to do for you than what he's already done? Or are you in the middle of the situation and in the disappointment and in the battle of discouragement Are you going to choose to praise him? Let me give you a, a final statement today. My joy isn't based on life is good. Have you ever seen those t-shirts? My joy is not based on life is good. My joy is based on God is good. And God is good even when I don't see it. Even when I'm Hannah, my enemy is getting blessed. And the people around me are, and they're rubbing it in my face even. Even if I'm Job and the devil just decides I am cutting loose on this guy. I'm gonna prove that he'll curse God. No, no. Job says, yet I will praise him. Am I only going to praise him in the good times and not in the bad? David said, I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. God comes through in the end. And let me tell you something. That's the God we serve today. Stay on the train. The tunnel may be long, but let the engineer drive it. Let the engineer guide you because you just don't know. It may only be a few more feet and you're going to bust out of the darkness into the most marvelous light that you've ever seen and had in your life. Stand still and see God's faithfulness. Stand still and lift your hands. Stand still and lift your voice. Stand still and declare 
declare his glory. Stand still in the midst of the enemy's battle against you and know that if God is for you, who can be against you? God will, in the end, come through. Maybe not in your time, but in due time. In due time. And today could be that day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, God, this is so much easier to preach than it is to live. And so, God, I pray that you'll help us today because we have such a comparison culture where we can look around and we don't even have to look across the street. We can look across America, compare ourselves to other people who are better off than we are and wonder why they're so wicked they, they sing songs with lyrics in it that almost blaspheme God. And yet, it seems like they got all this money and all this stuff. And we can think, why not me? But God, today, if we'll just stay on the train, if we'll just stay faithful where we are, you'll bring us through to the other side. Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, that's me. I, I've been in a battle, and I've been tempted to give up. I've been tempted to get depressed. I've been tempted to get so discouraged because of people around me and comparing my life to other people. But I know today that God's speaking this message to me. I need to just stay on the train, lift my hands, lift my voice, continue to praise him. Yet will I praise him. I will sing a hallelujah in the middle of my enemy's activity in my life and situations that are happening with me. How many are with me on that? You raise your hand and say, oh yeah, I want to sing in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the tunnel, in the darkest points in my life. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those in this room and those online today that you've, you've had this message for them so that we would not stumble so that we would not quit, so that we would not do what the enemy wants us to do, and that's just give up. But God, today, instead, we will throw up our hands, and we will throw up our voice and our hearts to you. You are our strength of our lives. Lord, you will, in due time, bring a harvest if we don't give up. Maybe you're here or maybe you're online. Maybe you walked away from God because somehow you got it in your head that if God really existed, he'd make your life perfect almost. That, that somehow if there was a God, he'd be like a genie in a bottle where you could just pray a little prayer and he'd do whatever you wanted him to do. But that's a fairy tale. That's a genie in a bottle. That's you commanding the genie. Instead, we're talking about a God who created the heavens and the earth who is wiser than you. And, and he's not going to just do your bidding. Like the movie, Jim Carrey understood that God has a bigger plan than just me. Just my little world. So today, maybe you need to come back to God because you got mad at him for the wrong reason. 
and the enemy talked you out of a relationship with him. And maybe you wanna come to the God who's a God that doesn't just do what we ask him and, and command him to do, but instead we do what he commands us to do. And as we do that, he begins to work in our lives from the inside out. And Hannah never gave up on God. She never quit. She continued to believe. And in the end, in due time, God moved in her life. And I believe he'll do the same for you. If you need that in your life today, if you're in this room, just raise a hand. If you're online, just maybe stretch your hand toward the screen right now. I want to pray for you. And I want you to encourage you to just pray this prayer after me. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I need Jesus in my life. Life's too big without him. I need a higher power. And I know that is you. So today I confess my failure. I confess my sin and ask you to forgive me. Bring me to you. Come into my life and wash away my past. Today I choose Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for accepting me into your family that come what may, I will live with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, let's welcome those into eternal life today.